Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of How to Live the Podcast. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Daron, and we are coming at you today from our big pink couch. This is a ginormous week for us. We are finally launching our tubes sneaky. That is the sneaker that is our pride and joy, our blood, sweat and tears went into this product for years. But not literally, don't worry, there's no blood, sweat and tears on your sneakers. None. Um, So we're launching it this Thursday at David Jones Chadston. That's Thursday, 27th of June. We'll be there from 6 till 9pm. Come and say hi if you're in the area. Come see the sneakers in person, try them on. It's going to be such a fun night. And if you're not in Melbourne and you can't make it down, don't worry. The sneakers are going online this Friday, the 28th of June. Uh, You can get them at tubes.com. So stay tuned. Get your wallets ready, people. Also, if you want to win a free pair of tubes sneakies for you and two friends, head to Insta at tubes and comment on one of the pics of the sneakies um, that's gone up in the last couple of weeks and you'll go in the running. We'll be announcing the winner this Thursday. So we're pretty pleased with ourselves about this next guest. Naomi Simpson is the Australian entrepreneur. She founded the company Red Balloon in 2001. So that's an online retailer that sells thousands of epic experiences from winery lunches to hot air balloon rides. I've even bought a few things on there. Same. And in 2014, she became well-known around Australia as the Red Shark on Australia's version of Shark Tank, What a good show, Red, because she's always in red. You know we asked her all about that. So we caught up with Naomi at the recent Retail Global Conference on the Gold Coast that you might remember we were speaking at as well, but Naomi's stage was a lot bigger than ours. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just loved hearing Naomi speak. She just like has this incredible presence. She throws some jokes in there. She literally had us like in stitches laughing and is just so inspiring to listen to when it comes to building an online business. Yeah. Yeah, so we got some incredible advice from Naomi on lots of things from how she built such a loyal customer base. Um, It's all about trust, so she says. How she's made waves in an industry dominated by men. And we also chatted to her about personal branding and how it feels to be the face of your business. And obviously, we got a little behind-the-scenes juice from her time on Shark Tank. So stick around to the end of the episode to hear who is on next week. And also we will answer a question from a listener. Don't forget this Thursday, we have another younger episode wrap up coming. Um, So we will see you this Thursday. And if you are listening to this and you can take a pic of where you are, share it on Insta stories and we'll repost it. We just love to see where you are listening. So enjoy this episode and we'll talk to you later. So we had the absolute pleasure of listening to you this morning. Do you do, do you come to these sorts of things often and speak of them often? <laughs> do you get out very often? No, they don't let me out very often at all. Um, I, I like speaking because uh, running an online business, I don't get to meet many of my customers. And when I come out and about, I learn so much. And I listen and people tell me an experience they did or all sorts. So yeah, it's important for me to get out from behind my websites. Yeah, okay. So we thought we had this really great opening question and we thought we were being really unique and innovative and like we just like thought of this one. It was genius. Because we were looking at photos of you online and the one thing that's really stood out to us is that 
you're always in red. Yeah. But then they introduced you at Retail Global this morning and they were the first thing that they asked you about was you being in red and we just instantly were like, oh, okay, this is obviously so unoriginal and the one thing you get asked about most, but we have to ask you about it anyway. <laughs> I know, it's funny, isn't it? Uh, and it, I think one of our challenges is some of the decisions we have to make in a day. And when we're so busy, what, what what can you give up? And Obama, for instance, only had two suits and, you know, five white shirts or whatever. And he doesn't that's one decision he doesn't have to make. And so even though I do have to choose between my red outfits, somebody once said to me, I looked good in it, and I was just like, oh, okay, tick. And obviously then I'm representing the brand and red does stand out. Yeah. And it's funny how many people say, oh, I thought I, I, thought I saw you at this event and I went up to this woman in a red dress. It wasn't you. <laughs> You're like, someone else is wearing my signature colour. I know. And I don't own it. Not at all. Of course not. Everybody looks great in red. Well, not everybody. But, you know. I don't think I do look good in nah, red, actually. I, I don't look good in red either. It's yeah, not no, my colour. Green. I yeah. like green, not red. Yeah. No. It's good. And, but you probably know, given what you do. That's all I would say. So are there times like where you're not in red? Like is it only when you're out and about and at an event and things like that? In the office are you always wearing red? On Monday I was wearing a navy blue suit, a blue silk shirt, navy blue boots and a red jacket, a long red colours and paddy jacket. Looked amazing, just saying. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, very nice. Very corporate, very nice. But I was hot. So I took my red jacket off and all day there was slacks and whispers going through the office because nobody could see that I'd taken my red jacket. They just saw me wearing blue and they go, is Naomi okay? Does she not love us anymore? What's going on? And then I put my jacket back on and they go, oh, (sighs) it's so funny. But what that does mean is that I can literally be sitting somewhere in my jeans and another top and people don't even see me. Yeah, that's mm. great. It's yeah. like it's kind of like your costume. It's my costume. It's my uniform. Yeah. So in addition to being like a really easy way of not having to think about your wardrobe in the morning, which I love because as women, we particularly have like so many choices, which is awesome. But then it's also like takes us longer to get ready. Mm. But was it also like a strategic decision that like, okay, I'm going to represent the brand. The brand has the word red in it. So I better be in red every day. Kind of. But that sounds far cleverer than it really was. I um. I remember years ago, one of the things was I had to build trust. I had to build trust for the brand. And really an easy way to do that is trust for the person, the person behind the business. And somebody once said to me, and being a Melbourne girl, um, originally everybody wears black in Melbourne all the time. And the way to be memorable and to stand out is to wear colour, particularly in Melbourne, because nobody does. The further north you go, the brighter the colours are and Mm. the less you actually stand out. So I did it originally to be memorable and to build trust for the brand. Uh, And of course, somebody said I look good in it. And then it's just kind of stuck. But it has become a bit of an Achilles heel too. Like if I see something really beautiful in a certain colour, I go, but I know I'll never wear it. I'll never have an occasion to wear it. Do you literally not? You only wear red? I pretty much only wear red if I'm out the house. Like, yeah. what about if you're just like going to a personal wedding, like your friend's getting married? Yeah, or, I, well, my nephew got married recently and I wore a dress that was aqua and orange and red. With a red jacket. <laughs> so, okay, so it's pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, so, well, one thing we did want to ask you about is because you are so great at kind of being the personality of your brand. You know, when you think of Red Balloon, the first thing you think of is you. And... Why did you decide to do that? Why did you decide to become the personality? 
So I've been a marketer my whole career. And before I started my own businesses, I worked for big businesses. I worked for Apple, I worked for IBM, I worked for KPMG, and I worked for Ansett, which was an airline. And I worked in marketing. And what all of those companies have in common is big budgets. You know, they have budgets to build brands, build personas, talk to audiences. I had none of that. And so if you think about a business, what you're trying to do is create personality and brand essence and some level of emotional connection. And so because I was cheap and had no money, I was like, well, I have to use my own personality. So it's about getting out from behind the website, meeting people, shaking people's hands and letting people know, oh, I met her once. I saw her speak once or I read her book. And because of that, they, that, that connection and colour, you know, colour like smell and taste, they're really big triggers of memory and emotion. So I've used colour as an emotional trigger. Mm. How cool is that? Sounds a little more scientific than it might actually have been. Oh, no, I don't believe you. But it's funny that you say that in terms of personal brand because we feel the exact same way with our brand that we've built and we can see the way that people are purchasing now, particularly like, you know, they don't want... I guess when we were a smaller brand, we were always trying to act like a big brand. But now that we're kind of like growing, we realize that that's the essence, like that's the special source when you can kind of create that personal connection or that trust that you just mentioned that I know is important to you after hearing you speak Mm. this morning. And it's about belief. I believe in you. And it's as if you are a friend. And more and more... Um, people want to believe in where they spend their dollars is for good, that they understand it, that they have some level of appreciation for what that business represents. And people are voting with their wallets more than they ever have before. Yeah, and when we think about like other big companies, like big online giants, like a TripAdvisor. Mm. I just think of TripAdvisor and I'm like, oh, it's some website where I can go on and, and book a holiday. But then I think of a website like Red Balloon and I instantly think of you and this face and this person behind it. And I just feel like that is so clever. So we really do want to get into, you know, your backstory. We've read a little bit about how you started your business. A little bit. A little. We've read a lot. We have spent a lot of time Seems Googling a very you. long time ago. <laughs> so my daughter was five and my son was three. Um, and then no, now both live in Melbourne and, you know, all grown up. Fabulous. <laughs> It's amazing, actually. I always thought I'd exit the business when the kids left high school because I started the business to have a you know time with them uh, and run a dot com because I thought I could do it at night and play with them in the day. Uh, but that clearly hasn't happened. <laughs> so. so when you were kind of in that initial stage of wanting to start your own business, how did you come up with the idea for Red Balloon? Um, it it. Well, actually, it was um, suggested to me from... I was working as a marketing consultant because I'd left my corporate career because I had two small children. And I was just a freelance marketer. And one of my clients said... Uh, the whole tech rec thing was going on and he said, oh, there's this concept in the UK called Red Letter Days and it's a catalogue and call centre business. He goes, we could do that. Uh, it, we could do it online and it'd just take a bit of marketing. And actually, it is a marketing business. What we do is effectively brand two and a half thousand small businesses and we deliver them customers. So instead of kind of paying for their Facebook marketing or Google marketing as we now think of it, their commission, because we just work like a travel agent, pays for customers. So we're a distribution partner for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it came from one of my clients. 
So what you did so well was branding and you thought, oh, here's this opportunity where I can brand people. And I feel like small businesses are notoriously bad at branding themselves. So if you can kind of like match them delivering that experience with you creating that, you know, sales point, then that's like the perfect match. Yeah, I'm a marketer. Like I've only ever done marketing in my whole whole career and I consider myself now the chief marketing officer of the Big Red Group. That's my job and I look at branding, I look at customer essence, I look at um, the experience over and over and I'm very much the voice of the customer. But it's not that small businesses can't or that they don't want to. They actually don't know how. And when you're so busy searching for the next customer, it's really hard to be strategic. So I don't blame them in any way because they have the intent, but not necessarily the know-how. No, totally. And there's only kind of so much you can do as a small business. Like, you know, you're trying to run the business and then you have to think about your logo and you have to think about your branding and and your social media and everything now. And, And marketing is not an activity. It's a way of doing business that is never ending and it's continual. So it's like, oh, where's my marketing plan? Great. It's finished. No, it's not. And that's a very big investment for a lot of organizations and you know it's expensive and it's not getting any cheaper yeah so when you talk about like small businesses i know like we know so many people that um you know millennials and older and younger like wanting to start their own business and they come up with this idea and then they're like well shit what do i do now like how do i actually start a business once I've decided what it's going to be. Where do I get my customers I from? <laughs> you know, Yeah, like what were the first steps that you took? I heard somebody say today, and I shouldn't say this, but he said, ideas, they're it, it, just like assholes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's pleasant. <laughs> um, but true. Yeah, but true. And I guess we see that on Shark Tank too. You know, everybody comes in, they've got an idea, but whether they can grow it as a business is another thing. Oh, like, yeah, we and want I, to talk all about Shark Tank, yeah. by the way, but we can get there in yeah. a little bit. Yeah, ideas, ideas are cheap. Um, and it is all about execution. And the other thing is, is it's about persistence. And I talk about this in my first book, Live What You Love, about the difference between persistence and pig-headedness. And, you know, pig-headedness is I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, but you're not necessarily listening, adapting or responding based on what you're learning. Whereas persistence is about keeping your north star and you know where you want to go, but you're not getting there. So what do I need to learn? How do I need to adapt? What do I need to change? And that's sticking with the north star, but you might have to go sideways, leftways, backways before you actually can get there. And I think that's an important part of entrepreneurship is understanding that there is no clear or easy path. And who would have thought I would still be working this hard, you know, 20 years into my entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, that's funny that you say persistence because it's something that we often tell people as well. And um, I often like liken the fact that Stephanie and I are very long-term relationship people. So mm. like we've both had boyfriends for seven years. And before that, we both had boyfriends for like five years. <laughs> and, I, you know, we were starting a business together and you know we were going to stick it out and we were going to figure out how we were going to get there because we're long-term relationship people and we're not looking for a win overnight. And I feel like so often like people expect it to just take off and that's something that you were talking about this morning you know you said it took you was it two months and four days after launching your website to have the first sale you're quite right it is a a long haul and I do worry about the nature of social media and particularly Twitter believe it or not 140 characters instant gratification and if if you know the world doesn't happen straight away then then what happens we are increasingly 
fickle and addicted to the, um, you know, the the what's next, what's next, what's next, you know. Um, and that really worries me when actually it's about the, the long haul. And people do ask me when was I going to give up because I wrote the first marketing plan on the 1st of April, um, invested $25,000 of family savings, but we didn't launch until the first week of October. And by the way, the we was me and the dog, you know, <laughs> Dexter, head of security. Um, that's not true, actually. I had some people around me. and uh, But the, the point is that in that time, so much had happened. And September 11, the dot-com crash, tech wreck. So the world had shifted again. And I literally thought I was late to market and maybe the internet was over. Mm. Um, and so Whoa. I turned the website on. I know, can you imagine? Like, you just it's such a different world. And I uh, would turn the website on, uh, absolutely nothing happened. And I'd spend all my money. I had no money for marketing. And every day I'd take the kids off to school. I'd come home, no customers today, maybe tomorrow. Um, didn't have any money to spend, but, you know, I was just ferreting around and trying things. And, I, you know, I'd do, honestly, the worst marketing, very ashamed. I'd, I'd write a, what we would now call clickbait, but we didn't think of it at that. So mm-hmm. I would write a, a little display at it might say wet wild and wonderful which was to our water sports you know honestly really it was so bad I'm embarrassed to say um and I got so desperate that I tied balloons around my briefcase and walked through Martin Place hoping that somebody would see it you know maybe come and buy something that's pretty clever do you think or is I that love that desperate? Yeah, I actually I used to run this market called the up and comers fashion market um, for emerging designers and vintage sellers in Melbourne and like you said before everyone in Melbourne wears black so yeah. much black um, so we had were you dressed in black I, I was there I got like all my friends to be I my models I was in year 11 I think I like skipped that day of school and I dressed them all in complete black and they had like picket kind of signs and they were like marched in a line of like five people I think your ex-boyfriend did it as well yeah he did and it said like you know something about like get out of the black your black yeah. funk at the up-and-comers fashion market and it was like on the back page of the age and the other day I saw a girl and she even said to me oh you're that girl that did that that protest thing in the city and, and it was what like 12 years ago or something I don't think it was that long ago yeah it it's okay. funny though isn't it and it just has resonance yeah, yeah like doing something small like that can really can have impact and it's like when you get budget you kind of then you know you go too big and you're like okay how can we do this like crazy idea but really like I feel like we've come up with our best and most creative ideas when we've had no budget and you've just got to get oh, real scrappy. scrappy with it absolutely and people love the authenticity of that they and do. the realness of it in fact sometimes if people if, if it just looks too flash people are like oh that's nice for them they've got so much money you know Mm. and and it really depends on who your customer is who your audience is and who you're trying to appeal to Mm -hmm. well I'm really interested to know though so like you know we heard you talk this morning about like you know it it was a long game for you and you weren't just like making sales in that first year or second you know it was a slow growth and I kind of turned to Jess and I was like this is interesting because you know we've had um you know dips at times in what we're doing and it's how do you kind of tell the difference between when you're onto something and you've just kind of got to, you know, play the slow game or when you're just kind of like holding on to something for dear life but it's not really working. Yeah, and it's really difficult, which is back to the persistence versus pig-headedness. And I guess I always say if I don't win a sale, I've got to know why. And I encourage and I make sure that I've got those listening posts 
because, and I don't want to talk about every transaction on the Red Balloon website, but what I do know is my corporate customers, if they stop buying for some reason, why is that so? What's missing? How else can I serve them? And I can learn so much in that. And, and I don't, I can't tell you, is it a trend? Is it a wave? Is it a dip? Or are you out of business? And um, I can't tell you that. But it's for me, it's about having the listening posts to try and discover authentically and the hardest thing for us as entrepreneurs is that we keep trying to sell so it's often hard for us to listen really listen and just say when somebody says oh, it just doesn't appeal to me but it's so fabulous how could you not you know we can't help ourselves and I think that that's the point is how we can just listen learn observe be with it discover and also the other things is of course is understanding that more than ever micro audiences can deliver incredibly great returns for businesses and actually it's an easier time ever than to find micro audiences because your micro audience might be anywhere on the planet you know left-handed noodling devices I only want people who have got a left hand and need a noodling device and so therefore um, but you've got 99.99% of the population are not interested. And so it's making sure that you are actually have the... And, and I, this morning I spoke to it. I said, what is the job you're being hired to do? And that word hired is really important in that because I hear a lot of entrepreneurs, lots of people pitching who are saying, oh, I'm solving this problem and all these people. And it's one thing to solve a problem, but it's another thing to find out whether somebody would pay for it. Totally. And what level of service they're prepared to pay for. And yeah. so in terms of like listening and like just having that open communication, like is it surveying? Like how do you look at the look at what's going on and kind of keep that open communication with your customers? Surveys are one thing, but I also did mention this morning that often it, you get really um, you get everybody who hates you that you've ever done any mistake and they're going to be really vehement. And if you only look at that, honestly, you'll want to cut your wrists and come out of business. And then there's the other ones who kind of like super fans and doesn't matter what you do. So it's about finding the midships of those who are prepared to make the effort, the energy and take the time to think it through and think about it. Because when people say, oh, it's amazing, you actually didn't learn anything from that either. 100%. So it, it is about how can I have some nurturing, really frank conversations with people? And I actually learned this years ago when I was with a company called Anset and I was working in their frequency program, frequent um, fly program, and I bought in the second top tier travellers because the top ones were always on a plane so you could never get them, but the second ones, and I bought them in and created an advisory council. And I just said, you know, tell me about travel, tell me what you love, what you hate. And they had a whole bunch of suggestions. Unfortunately for me, working in the airline, I was hard, it was hard for me to affect change. Like, I, you know, they said things, I was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. Um, but what I do know is those people in that moment became advocates as well. And, um, and in fact, years and years later, I was out at uh, visiting a CEO of a utility company and he said, I know you. And I go, oh, okay. And he said, no, 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 no. You, I was on your advisory committee at ANSET and I was a bit embarrassed because, you know, I didn't manage to actually execute much. And he goes, just so you know, I put it on my CV. And he said, and I used to go to barbecues and I'd say to all my friends, I'm on the advisory board mm -hmm. for ANSET. If there's anything you'd like me to let them know, <laughs> just tell me and I'll make sure it gets to them. So, so there, you know, I, I think there's many ways of engaging with customers and with people 
But what we often do is, as entrepreneurs or even further into the organisation, we assume we know um, because we're only listening to the two ends of the spectrum, either the terrible or the great, and actually the real learnings is in the middle. Yeah. How do we find those middle ones? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved it- even this morning you touched on um, calling customers as well because that's a funny one and like – I'm not going to lie on our podcast. I have been known from time to time to call up a customer and use an alias because I don't want them to know that it's me. Um, But then I guess that goes against everything we were kind of talking about, about wanting to, you know, actually like create that connection. And if I had said, oh, it's Jess, like I'm the co-founder of Tubes, then like people might have been like, oh my God, fan for life. (laughs) They might have been too, but I... Last week, uh, there's a whole bunch of corporate opportunities for our businesses, and I just I just took three or four of them myself, and I picked up the phone and I talked to them about what their application was and what that, and they said we're really surprised you called. And I go, don't be. This is what it takes to run a business is staying connected to customer. I said I just want you to be really frank with me, and I want to discuss it with you and make sure I know my product. It's really easy to be kind of the show pony and I will never be that if I don't truly live and breathe with my customers and truly they are flattered and I know these are uh, these are corporate sales and corporate people but um, I remember for our um, two millionth, I think it was our two millionth, no it wasn't our two millionth, it was our millionth experience that we served, I called the customer and I, and I didn't say I didn't say oh we like to call all our customers because that would have been a lie. But I called and I said oh hi my name's Naomi Simpson, and um, I wanted to call you to thank you for your business today. And uh, I said to her I said you are our millionth customer, and she said this is bullshit. Who put you up to this? Was it blah, blah, was it Jess? Was what? And she went through all this whole thing. And I go, no, 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 no. It really is. It was the first of April, and she thought it was an April Fool's oh, Day. Oh, that's amazing! Oh, that was really funny. You needed to Facetime. Yeah, I know. We didn't have Facetime in those days. <laughs> Facetime. Well, I think like social media as well is like such an awesome tool now that you know you can connect with your customer and you can see all this data that you didn't, you couldn't before. You can just get on your Instagram and look these are the age groups, these are what they like. And I feel like that is such a powerful tool that now we try to utilize. We try to go in and like engage with the community and speak to them there. Um, And, you know, obviously get the occasional troll, but you do get, you know, genuine feedback there and and you get to know more about the customer, which is, as you've said, so important. Hmm. Um, You mentioned something, your Monday morning setup. Mm. What does that look like? Uh, I I have to, I really plan my week and... Um, and I try to I, – I, so I don't have appointments on Fridays because I need to get work done, I need to get thinking done, and I write a lot. And if I don't have writing time, it won't ever get done. And so um, Mondays are my internals days, Tuesday and Wednesday are externals. Thursdays is, you know, ideally no meetings, but that doesn't happen. So I just try and set up my meeting in my week so that I'm productive. But also set myself up emotionally, and my husband – fabulous man that he is <laughs> my gorgeous husband Stu and I have a plan like we have a North Star and we look at each other each week and we say did we move the game forward this week have we made the world a slightly better place because of the work that we did and I think that's important because having you know worked so hard for so long you you got to kind of say is is this worth it is it have I have I improved 
prove something. You mentioned there that you and your husband like take that time each week. You've got your North He doesn't Star. work with me, by the way. He's oh. too fabulous for that. Oh, okay, great. I'm sure that. that's not true because he, he was in the audience supporting yeah. you this morning. <laughs> he he just comes to surfers for the fun thing. I yeah. know. He's so great. But I love that you said like, you know, you have this North Star, which I feel like a lot of people can get that first step of, okay, like, what do I want? But then you take it a step further and each week you like check in and you say, have we taken steps towards reaching that North Star? Because I feel like it's June tomorrow or yeah. today. Is it tomorrow or today? I don't know. Tomorrow, But, uh, but no, you know, today's. every time I feel like anyone looks at a calendar, they freak out because it's like, oh, what? I just made my news resolutions and now it's June. And I feel like that's such an important part of, you know, staying account- accountable and staying on top of it is having those weekly catch-ups. Do you have like a fun Sunday night dinner or something like that? Or are you just like... Yeah, we've, we've got some lovely rituals. But um, in January, in the 1st of January, we have our gold books and we write the plan for the year. And it's it's there's hardly much about business because obviously there's business planning and all that sort of thing. And um, But there's a lot of personal goals in there, things that we want to achieve, want to experience, want to see who we want to be for others, contribution we want to make to community. And that is a book that we do check in on and see how we're going. And we do have a plan and every year we have a theme. Oh, oh I love a theme. So this year is out of the box. Got to try things we haven't tried before. Um, new experiences yeah new experiences of just doing things that maybe we don't even really want to do (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of funny but this theme is out of the one year was just about fun another one was the good life and the good life for us was about uh, connecting to family and friends and making a really intentional effort about entertaining and hosting because Mm. you know we have a beautiful life uh, but unless we're intentional about seeing our friends and family Christmas comes around we go oh catch up next year so um, we're very intentional about hosting and entertaining a lot yeah. you guys are such marketers I love it like I feel like you approach your whole life like you're marketing your lives yeah, yeah I cool. don't mean to we have bad days too and you know we've got four kids and a dog and you know we're very normal really so um I mean listening to you for longer than three minutes you can tell you're obviously like super passionate about what you do and you know we touched on it you launched your business in 2001 how the hell do you stay so passionate about what you're doing for that many years yeah she's either crazy or stupid (laughs) um you know it it's it is hard and sometimes I don't want to play I'd be lying to say not and sometimes I'm just like could I not just get something right or have I not learnt from this yet? I've made the same mistake 10 times and that's the definition of idiot, um, being an idiot, stupidity. So, you know, it's not like it's always easy. But um, reminding myself of why we shift the way people experience life, having a scoreboard and being able to listen to customers and knowing that you made a difference, you kind of keep going. Um, and my business partner and I, David, we're great, great friends but great foils for each other as well because we're completely different. Mm. We've got the same value set, the same vision, but we have absolutely different strengths and skill sets. And he's the CEO. I couldn't do what he does only because actually after 20 years, I don't want that level of operational detail. It's not my strong suit. I'm a big picture person. I'm a relationship person. So I'm now very much able to play to my strengths and I love it. Cool. So we saw that you you often say that happiness is a journey and we just wanted to ask you a little bit about that and what do you mean by that? Mm. So many parents, when asked what do you want for your children, they say, I just want my kids to be happy. And of course I want my kids to be happy. However, it is one of many human emotions 
and it is not a constant state of being. And happiness, after all, is a choice. Um, and I say it's a choice in the sense of, you know, you can see one thing, here's a nice mint here, you can be joyous by that and say, oh, how lucky we are to have mints here. Or you can look at it and say, oh my goodness, they put sugar on the table. You know, we actually have an, a, a, the power over how we respond to things. And I make that really simplicity because sometimes we think we don't have power over our response. But there's 23 human emotions. So for me, it's not, whether, it's not about a, an emotion, it's about a value set or a behavior set. And what I want for my kids is that they be respectful, responsible, and resilient. Because resilience is what delivers outcome. So uh, my son is, um, works in farming and he's been out mustering cattle in far northeast Western Australia as um, a jackaroo and he's now working in Western Victoria. And he works physically so hard, like really hard. No weekends, you know, from dawn till dusk, all of this sort of thing. That resilience serves him incredibly well. And so... And does he feel a sense of pride and accomplishment at the end of the day? Absolutely. So hard work, um, and sometimes it's overcoming things that actually creates the greatest experience of euphoria and happiness. So I have a concern that we're so busy making our little kids' lives fault-free that without their ability to pick themselves up, they won't know what resilience is. And so happiness for me is a journey. It is not a destination. Some days are good and some days are bad. What would be boring for me is if every day was happy. I need contrast to vividly live life. I need contrast. It's kind of like people say about LA that because the sky is blue every day, don't you just get over that? Personally, I could do blue skies every single day, but <laughs> I think most people prefer to have those stormy days so that they can appreciate those sunny ones yeah it's like a richness from your life that you're looking for rather than just coasting through yeah you've talked about how like you were coming up in this business um you know it was like the dot-com boom and you know tech is obviously such a male dominated industry how was that for you you know now with Instagram, with social media, we have like girl boss movements and, you know, I feel like there's a lot more. Support groups. Yeah. Like-minded bitches drinking wine. Exactly. All the good things to encourage us so we can band together as women. But you kind of existed and built things in a world where that wasn't the case. Like, so. what did you, were there so many questions? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, were there extra hurdles you, you felt like you had to jump over? So my mother... Her mother was a bookkeeper for G.J. Coles, which is, you know, now Coles. She worked as a bookkeeper, so her mother always worked. And my mother went off to work when I was a tiny little tot, um, and she worked in one of the early computers in Australia at, in, the Monash, in the Monash Maths Department. And my mother worked in computing her whole career. That was my normal. And so, and she worked for an amazing entrepreneur, a woman by the name of Lindsay Catamol, who had a big business called Aspect Computing, which was sold to CAS and ultimately sold to, te, uh, to Telstra and in IBM mainframes. This was my normal. So when that's your normal, I never saw it as odd and I never thought that women weren't in IT because my mother was in IT. Her boss was a female in IT and that was her normal. In fact, when my mum started in computing, it was 50% women and 50% men because it was seen as an administrative job. 
punching cards and doing all this stuff. It was only when they made computer science, um, maths as a prerequisite, that became to be more male-dominated. And my mum was one of the founders of the Computer Society of Australia. This was my normal. Mm. So one of the reasons I get up on the stage is to be other people's normal. Because if you can shift the way you think about it, then you're carrying less baggage and you can be who you need to be in that circumstance. You don't tell yourself the story that I'm special, I'm different, or I shouldn't be here. My daughter's a mathematician. She studied maths. She discrete mathematics, something really hard. She tells me all about it and I go, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> and she's working as a data scientist for Quantium. And that's because she, that's what she saw as possibility. And it was never not that it wasn't. She could have whatever she wanted to do. And so if we can shift our own mindset about what is normal, then we can forever move the game. And the one thing that I really challenge people on is to take any gender out of the conversation. So when people say, you're an amazing female entrepreneur. Oh, okay, you're like, I'm an entrepreneur. And I just go, really? Did we not notice I was a female? (laughs) We didn't need to put that there. Because in that moment, then we've pigeonholed me. Yeah. And so therefore, I'm just entrepreneur. I'm just founder. I'm just business leader. And so I am that for others, which is one of the main reasons I write books I get up on stages because I can be that for others. And the number of people who come up to me and say, oh, my daughter's studying commerce or they love you on the TV or whatever, and that's because I get to be their normal. Yeah, yeah, you're so right now that I've never really thought about it before, but um, we had kind of a similar situation. Like we have, we come from a long line of very strong female role models who like were always, there's only women in our family, a lot mm. of women. And um always really like strong business minded and so the same like when people kind of asked us like oh like how do you have the confidence to kind of put yourself out there like the the answer is always for us well that was our normal like that was what we saw growing up so that's what we became so it's pretty cool though that then you can kind of say I want to be that for others Mm. okay so we'd love to talk about Shark Tank Mm -hmm. so how did how did they find you I've got no idea. I got well, how e- did you find them? I didn't find them. I got an email from somebody and they said they were producing a TV show called Shark Tank, which I'd never heard of. And I asked somebody in the office, I said, have you ever heard a show called Shark Tank? Thought, I just thought it was a joke. And she said, oh, yeah, you'd love it. And I said, well, I get wet. She goes, oh, I have no idea. <laughs> so I had never heard of it. And uh, quite frankly, when I got... Um, that email, I wrote back and I said, oh, look, sorry, I'm just a bit busy and i got a lot on, which is true. And they said, not a problem, we'll come to you. And I said, oh, I'm so busy. And I live in Sydney, but I said, oh, I'm in Melbourne. And they said, oh, it's fine, we'll come to you, wear suits. And I said, I just said the name of some, you know, coffee shop on Flinders Lane. And I arrive and then there's there's a film crew and lighting crew, there's audio there. And I go, I thought we were just having a coffee. He goes, well, just in case. I wanted to capture a bit in case I had to show the executives at the <laughs> network. And I go, oh, okay, so this is serious. Kind of embarrassing, you know, Flinders Lane coffee shop and you walk in there and there's lights and cameras everywhere. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, and then I said to them, 
I said, I said, no, I don't really want to do it and I won't be a token female. So unless you've got another woman, I knew they were speaking to Janine. You see, every other Shark Tank around the world has only ever started with one woman at mm. best. Yeah, I know, because I used to watch the British version mm. and it was so cool to see both of you and Janine on there mm. and such powerhouses as well. Oh, thank you. Very <laughs> um, even in the US, uh, Laurie and Barbara didn't appear together until Series 5. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was really important. And what I can say is that gender wasn't an issue for us on our set. And it's been an issue on other sets around the world in terms of, oh, this is a woman's business or whatever. And I can truly say the blokes on our show invest in female-led businesses as much as male want. There is no... And if you look at it, actually, women-led businesses get more investment on our show than anywhere else in the world. That's awesome. Yeah, it's also because they ask for less and they're probably far more realistic in terms of the valuations. So there's there's more than one reason of why that might have happened. Mm -hmm. So how was it being on that? We want to know all about it. It's so funny. It's just, it's kind of one of the things that I I have done in my life. Yeah, I think because it's so public, obviously, it's something that people associate you so strongly with. I forget. And I, I get, it's just kind of funny for me, you know, at this event and people are like, can I have my photo taken with you? I go, sure (laughs) that's kind of weird not a problem and um so i i find that odd um you know we did rate really well we're having a rest this year and i just kind of forget for me it's more interesting when people come up and tell me that because i saw the show they had this conversation it was a real family show Mm. like little kids old people all together yelling at the tv don't do it that's a con it's yes. not real yeah yeah we all love to have our say yeah everyone everyone can have an opinion and it is a great leveler yeah it's it, it's it's a great show and you mentioned that now you kind of get pitched to all the time yeah funny because we wanted to pi- i'm kidding are there like specific things that you saw you know through Shark Tank and all these randoms coming up to you, you've obviously been pitched a lot of businesses. What's kind of like a secret source that you've found that is, you know... Or what do you like... What's something that stands out as special to you? Um, It's really important that you know who your audience is. So you might be the world's expert at something. And I might not know anything about it so it's your job to bring me into that world really quickly and that's the ability of telling a story that is inspiring and as you heard me say this morning I talk about the job you're being hired to do hired in prize commercial outcome and so if you can speak to that because I want to know if you know who your customer is what job you're being hired to do, how many are there, and can you find them affordably? And if I'm in your world, then, uh, and you can get me into that world, then you're far more likely to get a hearing. And the other thing is that, in fact, I reread something that Smart Company wrote, um, and they said, Naomi Simpson said that, blah, blah, blah. Some of the um, entrepreneurs have said that we were tough on them. And I said, well, we have an expectation that we're gonna get a return. You can't go to a bank and say, oh, I'll pay you back sometime. That's just, that's just rude and they wouldn't lend you money. So respecting an investor's money is really, really important. And I think that that's a really fundamental miss with a lot of startups. They go, great, I've got the money now. No, 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 no. It's not your money. It's somebody else's money. You are merely the custodian of that. 
and it's just this fundamental respect and that really bothers me mm. um, that people don't I earned every single dollar I have nobody gave me a cent and the respecting of that I think is really important you never took on investment I've never taken an investment the bank supports us now with our roll-up and the scale that we're putting in um, it, just with you know borrowings and loans and things like that and they've been very very supportive but um, no we we are self-funded looking back on your time at Shark Tank is there like one pitch that stands out to you as like heartwarming or funny or like a great story you could share there was many that didn't make it to air and I was often sad about that because they did all the work and they got none of the exposure but every season we shot about a hundred pitches and only about 60 made it to air so that's 40 on the chopping rude floor and some of those were just incredibly great but it's about entertainment and mm. they or they just weren't different enough from something else. So, you know, the producers are in the business of making television and we're in the business of making good business deals and sometimes that didn't necessarily meld. So um, I remember um, second series, the, the producer was in our ear and she's saying, oh, go for the backstory, go for the backstory, you know, like that MasterChef moment, that voice moment where what's the backstory? And we're like... We don't care about their backstory. <laughs> we only care about their future story. <laughs> um, and I remember Steve literally took his earpiece out. And they never told us what to say or anything. They just would say, we've got enough or you can wrap up or could you sit up straight, Naomi, and put your knees together. Okay. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing that we're saying in our ear. But one day he just took the earpiece out and he goes, it's my money. You can F off. <laughs> and they never tried to influence again. You what know, a diva. To, I know. Oh, he is. He's a fabulous diva. He's really great. So, you know, we weren't interested in their backstories. We weren't interested in the drama and that's kind of the melding between we're looking for entertainment, but we were far more interested in who they are. And I never want to judge anybody from where they've come from. I only want to judge them based on where they're going to. Yeah. Well, you are a very inspiring role model. We honestly had the best time this morning hearing you speak. You did a very good job. So thank you. We love that. So before we wrap up, we do always finish on a few quick fire questions. Oh, okay. I'll sit up straight and behave myself. Sit up straight, please. Yeah. (laughs) Taking you back to Shark Tank days. I know. (laughs) So the first question is, how many pieces of red do you own in your wardrobe? Oh, that's just embarrassing to say. It'd be more than 100. Like more, maybe 200. I would love to just see your wardrobe. Like, do you have any photos on Instagram that we can look at that is just like red everywhere? Oh, I've probably got one in there some. Oh, I've got one of Janine in my wardrobe, actually. That's odd. <laughs> I had the sharks over for dinner um, last season, I think, and she went straight to my – it's actually on Janine's Instagram. Okay. Uh, she goes, guess where I am? And she's in my wardrobe. Oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> we'll have to do a deep dive. Yeah. I love that you guys are genuinely friends. Like, you had them all over for dinner. That's, yeah. like, made my day. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're all good eggs. They're all, you know, we all came from nothing, and uh, we um, we all respect each other, even though we're very different. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, what is the first thing you do when you wake up? Um, my husband gets me a cup of coffee, so I kiss him and thank him so much. Oh, what a good <laughs> husband! He sounds so lovely. <laughs> he is. Is uh, he here right now? Yeah. He's uh, going to drive you home after or something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest red balloon experience you've ever done? Oh, craziest. I've, I've done a lot. Like I did one last week 
which was uh, for my business partner and I hosted a dinner at home and it was a beautiful degustation dinner. So it was seven courses with wines to match. But the whole dinner was blindfolded. Oh, that's oh my so God. cool. And then you had to guess what the courses were. That's so fun. And I, and what was so great is because he's the CEO, right? And so I'm doing this. He goes, this is amazing. We should have it on the website. I go, we do. <laughs> that's a <laughs> experience. So, you know, it's hard to choose a, a favourite because I have done so many. I yeah. mean, just so many from walking in the wilderness um, out of uh, Cooktown uh, with an Indigenous leader to... Um, you know, dinner in the Daintree to lots of experiences here on the Gold Coast from hot air ballooning to, yeah, I've just done, I literally have done many, many, many. Have you gone skydiving? Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. I was expecting your answer to be skydiving. No, I loved it. A tougher experience for me or a more extreme experience for me was when we went heli skiing. Oh, terrifying. So we went heli skiing and I went with the kids and um, you know, you get off at, in New Zealand on in the helicopter and you put your skis on and it's a really thin alp. And I'm not joking, it's not even as wide as this table and you're putting your skis on and then the guide takes you either left or right. And, of course, I'm just the last one coming down the hill and the kids are just down like, you know, whatever. And Oscar's like, oh, mum, you take so long. And I said, I do not see that many mummies on this hill. <laughs> and uh, the guide said, yeah, actually, we don't get many parent mothers you know skiing with their kids down here and they said anyway I got back to the office so that was one week and I got back to the office on a Monday morning and everyone's hanging around my desk and I said what are you doing they go we're going skydiving and I go oh I don't need to go skydiving and it was on my never ever lifts don't tell the guys from skydive but I said it was not my never ever list and they said oh I said what and I go oh well may as well go I'm wearing a mini skirt and I'm wearing these um heels boots with heels red and um and anyway so and they said don't worry we got this for you. So, you know, so I wear these overalls and I go and I do the jump and I didn't even get butterflies in my stomach. Compared to heli skiing, which you're completely responsible on your own to get down that mountain versus do I trust this person who's packed the shoot? He does it 12 times a day. Yes. So it's actually, as far as I'm concerned, much safer and easier to yeah, jump with someone else. They That's both sound fair. kind of terrifying, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, what three words would your kids use to describe you? Oh, my kids would describe me as loud, embarrassing, and uh, <laughs> and focused. <laughs> <laughs> um, what business would you love to see pitched to you on Shark Tank? Oh, gosh, I don't know. But I really did like that guy who doesn't have Band-Aids. They're called patches that are good yesterday. There was a... Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's not because... And we're not allowed to call them Band-Aids because actually that's a brand it's name. Brand. Yes. Mm. Um, but that has allergies. I go, gosh, it's sometimes the simplest idea that has the greatest resonance. What does it have in it? But they're non-allergenic. A lot of people are allergic to the glue oh. and the plastic and they get an um, allergic reaction. Ah. So there's 25% of people can't use either elastoplast, Band-Aids and so forth, and he's invested, he's invented something that's completely non-allergenic. And cool. he's got distribution now in 50 countries, and if I could remember the name, that would even be more interesting, wouldn't it? would wouldn't be it? great. Maybe we can find him and put in the show notes, and maybe he can get in touch with you because it sounds like you might want to invest. Oh, I think he's done with that. I think he's well away. You know, you want to get them... 
just before they take off. Totally. Mm. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing and happy we got to catch you here in Surface. And also love that you're in a different red outfit for this occasion than you were for this <laughs> morning. <laughs> a little more casual, I was thinking. It's perfect. Definitely. I'm not sure if you like carry extra red outfits around in the car or your bag or you went home, but I'm loving it either way. And you always look amazing in your red. Thank you, Steph. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Jim. Wow, how cool was that? I loved getting to sit down with Naomi. I think anytime I like see what I perceive to be a celebrity in person, I always lose my shit a little bit. Oh, I so, think she's been like the most like celebrity-ish person that we've interviewed where I have just been like, ah, totally. And just like, I love talking to these people because like, you know, Naomi said like she's so she's so down to earth. Her family is what's most important to her and she's just going about growing this epic business and she's just like the rest of us which is so cool and just like so generous of people like that to sit down with us and share their time so we always feel very very lucky when we get to sit down with someone like that so this week's question comes from steph on facebook hey steph i'm steph Mm -hmm. um steph says love the younger episode last week can you recommend some other tv shows like younger and the bold type Oh, this is my favorite topic of convo, Steph. Hi, I feel like I'm talking to you. Um, so well, we have so many favorites. Um, we picked a couple for you or a few rather. Um, so Unreal is really great. That's all about like behind the scenes on The Bachelorette. It's like epic. Um, American Woman is also a great one. Summer House is fantastic if you like reality TV. And also Awkward is so good oh my god i love awkward it's like old school mtv vibes it's definitely worth going back and watching it and you'll just like fall in love with manny mckibben yeah totally so next week on the podcast another great one for you guys we've got zoe lamont she is one of the co-founders of verve super now before you switch off at the word super i know it sounds a little bit scary but basically we don't know anything about finances and financials and money. And we know nothing. And so many people that we speak to don't know anything either, women particularly. So we thought it would be so cool if we had somebody who's able to talk about money and finances in a really easy, simple to understand, totally non-boring way. Um, and she just gave us like really, really basic tips on like how to save money and like what we should be thinking about when it comes to saving money and just like really like everyday stuff that we can all get involved in. So we promise it's not scary and here's a little snippet of it. How come at the pub we have the boys talk about money stuff and girls don't like and I think this is we're starting to see a bit of a shift but like 10 years ago I was like this is ridiculous we've all got to talk about it so that'll be on next week we'll see you then have a great week and oh maybe we'll see you at Chadston on Thursday and maybe then we'll see you Thursday night for younger oh my god how are we going to manage that we didn't even think about it oh crap we'll manage stay tuned bye <laughs>